Welcome to the Taproom Exclusive. I am Dean Zarbaugh. I am here at Collision Bend Brewery with Luke Purcell and Ben Northheim, brewers of, of this great, great beer. Uh, we're on to a Doppelbach. Talk a little. I haven't talked on the show yet about a Doppelbach. So what is Doppelbach? What, where's the name come from? Doppel is Doppel double, right? That's true. Yes. That, okay. I didn't know that. Okay. Uh, so it's a double Bach. And so what is a Bach style? Uh, so Bach basically is a real dark German lager. And in basic terms, that's what it is. Uh, Bach beer, there's a lot of, uh, there's one particular myth about what Bach beer is, which is, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to myth bust that right now. All if right. I can borrow that term. <laughs> uh, yeah, there we go. So um, the, the one that I heard growing up all the time, and I still will hear that, I'm sure, We'll hear that here. We just put this on tap uh, a couple weeks ago. So I'm sure we'll hear this around the tap room if some old-timers come in here, that the Bach beer, they come out in springtime because they're cleaning the tanks from the year, and it's all the dredges from the bottom of the tank, and that's what Bach beer is. Uh, What? I've never heard that story. Oh, well, listen closer. Listen closer. (laughs) So that one was always going around, and that is not what it is, although I would like to know of a brewery that – only cleans their tanks once a year, <laughs> so I don't go there. <laughs> yeah, let's stay away from it. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, so what Bach, what Bach beer is actually is like kind of when refrigeration wasn't uh, as readily available, let's mm-hmm. say. Let's may, not maybe when it wasn't around at all, but when it wasn't as readily available, this is a lager, and it's a strong lager that needs to, that needs to mellow out and age. Lager means to age. But it needs a cold storage for a long time. It ferments at cooler temperatures, and it needs cold storage for a long time to get to that optimal flavor. And so it would be brewed in, uh, in January, which, I, which I've heard the story as being said under the sign of Capricorn, which is why okay. you see the, with the Bach beer names and the Doppelbox or the labels, you always see a goat on it. And on a Doppelbach, you'll see two. Interesting. It goes back to your double thing. Um, so I tend to believe that that version of the story, but there's there's a few others out there. If you want to do your research and then, you know, yeah. come down here and argue with me, it'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> no, but that's that's my understanding of what it is. But what it really is is just a nice, very very malt forward uh, German lager. Okay, uh, I like malt. Uh, I think I think that beer is made of malt. By yes, the way. It, it, uh, <laughs> if you did not know that malt uh, and water, uh, and but it's a profile that. So one of the first beers I ever drank was an Elliott Ness. Mm-hmm. That was one of my absolute first beers. I'm familiar with that beer. <laughs> uh, and I, I thought you might. Uh, and that I, I've said before that I can't. That's why I hearken back to malt a lot is because that was one of the first beers I ever had, craft beers, uh, and I just it gave me a real appreciation for for malt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I don't think there's a a huge appreciation for malt as there is for hops. Uh, and uh, it's it's really nice to see breweries doing stuff like this, uh, especially for you know getting you down to the tap room uh, profile. You say it's a malt forward lager. Uh, what are what are some some flavors, some notes people are going to get off of uh, of your guys? What was the name of it? This one? Uh, we call it the Collisionator. Nice. <laughs> yeah. uh, Great name. Off this beer, I personally I get a. A lot of uh, dark fruits, like dried cherry notes, raisin, um, stuff like that is what I get a lot. Um, you're not picking up anything from the hops in this beer. It's just the hops are there mainly just to, to balance that beer out. But um, 
it's eight percent, but it's also not. That over, does not drink eight percent. It's not. I was just gonna say it's not overwhelmingly um, like hot alcohol-wise. Yeah. That goes, and that goes to what I was saying about aging too, as well. Cold storage it needs because if you had tasted this beer when it was first done fermenting, even a couple weeks after, it did taste hot. Yeah. Yeah, really? it really did. Yeah, so that's part of that thing that it needs that mellowing time. So, interesting. So, I've, I've I'm still new to to learning about the brewing side of things. So, is that across the board? Is, is generally like to get that booziness out? Does do st- Is that across the styles, or is that specific to like a, a lager style? I'd say in a lot of cases, probably maybe not all of them, but stronger beer, uh, even an ale, like a big big imperial stout or something like that i found that more time than a normal ale definitely is is beneficial to uh to get those mellowing out those flavors for sure nice because uh, yeah like you you were saying like this is eight percent but had you had until you said that i had no idea right yeah it's dangerous but it's, uh it's but in a good way <laughs> yeah uh i ubered here so i'm fine <laughs> uh and uh but so this is Doppelbox generally range around 8%. Is that? Yeah, somewhere in, actually can go, I think as high as 10. Okay. 10 to 10.5%. So it, I think it, the low end is 7, 7.5%. Okay. So um, this was, yeah, this was just a beer that I enjoy drinking personally and you don't see on tap anywhere. Yeah. So this was just me being selfish because <laughs> I wanted something to drink here it's okay. all the it's time. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, as long as the boss says you can we, do it. We pretty much let Ben do anything he wants back here, so it's <laughs> that okay. must be nice. Must yeah, be nice. Well, not, hey, it's, it, it's uh it's turning out very well. This is uh I don't get to drink Doppelbox very often, right. like you were saying. So the op- as soon as you said, "Oh, we have a Doppelbox," I was like, "Oh, let's do that because uh, I have not had one in a while, and I'm really enjoying your guys's." Well, thank you. um, it's 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 so it's a clean drinker too. Uh, just. I'm 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 surprised at how light it is for the eight percent. Like that's still wrapping my head around that part. Uh, what was it about Doppelbox that you like uh, that drew you to say, "Hey, look, I really want to do this." <laughs> the first time I ever drank one, I think I bought it because it was so high in alcohol, and I was okay. like, "Well, this will be good." You yeah. know, uh, it'll get me there. But I, I came to appreciate the style just based on uh, all the flavors that I was getting out of it. I like those dark fruits. Those cherry that raisin the fig yeah. anything like that it's also why i like the belgian the stronger belgian dark dark strong ale stuff yeah. like that there's just something about a good malty beer that i like personally um so that's that's yeah. kind of why i wanted to make it well, it's but. not you know you say raisin i hadn't i hadn't until you said that mm-hmm. i hadn't tasted that and then you get a, you get a little bit of that and it it really just rounds out the the flavor of this it's it's a very well-rounded well-balanced uh beer um what are other than the 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 temperature side of it <clears throat> the cool storage and all that what's is there is there a hardship to to brewing doppelbox is there anything that's kind of harder it if you talk to some german brewers uh, <laughs> we probably did it completely wrong so um there's some traditional methods that that are decoction and like boiling of grains and things like this that are uh uh, you don't necessarily have to do anymore. Although, like I said, if you talk to some German brewers, they're they, they're very astringent to their to their ways, and they stay the way they uh, they want to. They don't think any any new techniques are worthy. So, um, 
we're American, though, so it's okay. <laughs> we're going to try something different. Yeah, no, there's, there's different malts that are modified and, and killed in different ways that give you some of those flavors, the deep, deep malt flavors that bring out all, all the fruit, fruits and dried fruits and raisins. Everything we're talking about is coming from the malt, malted barley that we use in this. Um, it's not, we're not throwing raisins in here. Yeah, no, like no, that. no. Just to yeah. be clear on yeah. that, yeah. Um, so I think... There can be if you if you make it so. There can be some tough days, long days in the brew house if you make it so, especially in ours because we're not really set up to do that. Our friend Sean over at Noble Beast does a lot of decoction brewing, which means he has an extra vessel on the side, and he trans- he transfers his grain. He has the ability to do that because he set it up that way, which is very cool to do. Uh, and it develops like, these depths of flavor and these layers of flavor. Uh, but I, I'm blown away by it how we got that into this one how how ben did this with the with the malt profile that he used so i i love i love it you know and it's been one of my favorite styles for a long long time so you know there's some of the first brews i loved and probably was some of the reasons that ben said because they were stronger you know? yeah when i first started getting into drinking uh craft beer there wasn't a lot of local breweries around uh, so we were going to some imports and stuff like right. that on one of the, the you know one of the most famous doppelbox around was brewed by monks and it had this depth flavor as Salvatore. No, Salvatore isn't the one. Celebrator. Celebrator, yeah. yeah. So all of them ended T.O.R. That's why we're collision yeah. T.O.R. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, oh, so that's, all of that. That's that, very kind cool. of everyone, yeah. So yeah, a yeah. buddy of mine is, is a big fan of the uh, the Salvinator, the first one you said. The Salvatore. Salvatore, uh, so yeah. Salvatore Salvat- is a triple decoction brew. It's just... It's an amazing beer. You yeah. know, still I'm going to tell him to come down and try your guys. Because yeah. if that's if if he likes that, I think he'd really enjoy really enjoy your guys's. Um, so I do a segment here on the show. It's called Between Two Hops, uh, named after uh, Between Two Ferns. But the uh, segment is taken from inside the actor studio. Okay. Uh, so this is just a little ten question questionnaire. You both can answer absolutely. Uh, I can only picture Will Ferrell right now with yeah. that like, skit that he used to do on that. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that is the inspiration. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, so uh, what is your guys' favorite style of beer to brew and to drink? Me, personally, uh, I love the lagers, so German lagers. Um, that, just to me, that's what I could drink that every day, and I would never be upset. Yeah. So. And to brew? Uh I'm the complete opposite. I, I actually love brewing the IPAs, just cause, right. but this is because it's fun to play around with all those different hops and and see what you can get out of them. But but to drink, yeah, it's I'm gonna Lager go, I'm gonna go lockers all day. Very cool. Luke? I, I'm a I'm a porter and stout guy first. I've all right. al- I always have been that way. I think probably uh, again growing up in a time when there wasn't as many choices as there are now. Mm-hmm. Um, in Cleveland, Guinness, you know, with the Irish community in Cleveland, Guinness was a big deal. And so I learned to like Guinness, I would say, more okay. than more than maybe I really didn't like it <laughs> in the beginning. And now I still love that, but I still love that beer. And it, when I got into brewing beer, that's what I made a lot of was porters and stouts and really fell in love with that style. Um, so that's my favorite beer to drink, I would say. Were you originally getting import, like uh, imported porters? I, when you were yeah. first getting into them? Sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely, because there wasn't anything around here. And then, um, you know, thankfully, Great Lakes decided to do the Edmund Fitzgerald, which yeah. um, 
I know. I'm, I'm sure you're aware. I worked there for a long time, but it was it, it was my favorite beer before I worked there during the time, and I will still say it's still my favorite beer. So <laughs> nice. I'll throw that out there. There you honest, go. Yeah. And then uh, to actually brew. My favorite my favorite style to brew has always been a, a real strong Scotch ale. Actually. Ooh, yeah. It's nice. just really fun for me because underappreciated style. It's a little bit different of a brew day, and it takes a lot longer. And you're, the aromas that come from it's a lot like a similar to the Doppelbach style that we're tasting right now. Very, very caramely, very, very, very malty. But you actually uh, get a lot of that flavor from just boiling and boiling and boiling, caramelizing in the kettle. And uh, I think that's pretty cool. And it's just it's a day of being patient, but it's it's a it's an enjoyable day for me. For some reason, it's always been one. I learned that techniques early, early on from some uh, some brewers that were, were teaching me. I don't know. I just liked it. I don't know. I've always yeah. liked doing that beer. So very so cool. That, it's a, a style I, I really appreciate. Uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum, what's your least favorite style to brew? <laughs> rye Something beer. that just gets into you. anything with I was, rye. No, rye. I was going to say either uh, rye, yeah. rye beers, or smoked beers. I was talking to. Uh, oh, was, that's, yeah. Well, that's because you don't like a smoked <laughs> beer. <rye. laughs> I was talking to Mike over at uh, Masthead, and he was saying, you know, we were talking about the, using the word rye in, in a beer. It's like that's one of the worst words you can use in, in yeah. actually like packaging like a beer. It's like it's a red rye IPA or something like that. It's like you, it's it turns people off, it, but it's a good style. I love rye. Yeah, they taste. I, I enjoy drinking them. Yeah, but I'm with to you. To brew with them is a, is a nightmare. It's oh. it's super gummy and oh. it sticks the mash. I can only imagine. Makes yeah. for a super long just, day, and it's not fun. It's just not a friendly right. grain for brewing with. No. That's all gotcha. there is. You know, wheat's tough to do, but we've learned, so, and then and there's centuries behind, you know, wheat and people brewing with wheat. So there's there's things you can do to get through that day. And so some brewers might say wheat beer just because it's a little bit longer of a day, but it, it's their own fault if it is. You know, <laughs> really, at this, t- at this point in time, there's things like ways to get through that. So rye, I, I don't Unless you're just dropping in like a couple grains, like uh-huh. throwing them in by <laughs> right. hand and just saying, "Oh, there's rye in there," you know. But it really does offer a cool, uh, a cool flavor to a beer. So there's, it's intriguing, and it de- depending on what kind. I've, I mean, there's been numerous styles that have been brewed with rye by lots of lots of great brewers, and I've enjoyed many of them. I had a rye porter from Founders Brewing Ooh. up in Michigan, which was awesome. I love that beer. And uh, there goes my porter thing again. But yeah, that just adds a, like a little spice as you would imagine and, and and something about rye with hoppy beers that was really popular for a while the yeah, rye ipas rye i think IPAs. was like this it wasn't that you necessarily tasted the rye to me but it was this clean bitterness that came mm. out because of something in there gotcha. i'm not sure about the science behind that but that's what i always found in those rye ipas i actually enjoyed that style a lot but yeah no if to brew them worst brew days i've ever had were Just always rye. in the ass. Yes. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Uh, that's a good. That's a really good <laughs> that's question. A really good question. So when I was younger, I always wanted to be a, a professional baseball player. Nice. I was in Cincinnati one time doing a talk about beers, and I didn't. I forgot where I was, and I uh-huh. someone said that's kind of that same question. It's like, what did you want to be when you were growing up? Kind oh of yeah. Thing. I was like, I wanted to be a catcher for the Cincinnati Reds, which is true. Like, that's true. What I really was thought I was going to be because I love Johnny Bench when I was growing up. All right, yeah. And I literally started cheering down there like, yeah, that's awesome. And I'm like, <laughs> why are they cheering for me? <laughs> oh, my gosh, I'm in Cincinnati. So yeah. that's kind of funny. I, uh, one time someone asked, we went, to, uh, we went down to Florida when John Glenn went back to space in 98. 
And uh, the uh, someone asked me on the uh, on the way, like I got interviewed by like Channel Five at the airport in Orlando. They're like, "What do you want? Do you want to be an astronaut when you grow up?" I was like, "Yeah." And they're like, "What do you want? To, how do you going to do that?" I said, uh, "Bring up my math and science grades." There you go. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> like uh, Ben, if you had to, uh, you know what? Question. It's uh, right. What you were just saying. When I was a kid, I've still to this day. I've always been fascinated with outer space. Nice. Thought it was cool. Um, but I'm also have a slight fear of heights. I get you. <laughs> so I get you. I was kind of wanted to be an astronaut, but then I was like, I don't know if I can. That's really high up. That's really high. So I, I always thought that'd be fun, but yeah, absolutely, but, but dude. I'll, I love space I'll stay too. Stay on the man. ground and brew beer. <laughs> what profession would you not like to attempt? Brewing. Brewing. <laughs> <laughs> Is that just a warning out there to all you right. people that think it's a great idea? No, I'm just kidding. I, uh, I don't think I could do what my wife does, which is like work in a hospital and oh, yeah. be around. Uh, I'm a terrible patient, so. Yeah, I'm a terrible patient too, but um, blood and guts don't bother me when they're mine. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Someone, <laughs> someone else's, else's, get me away. Yeah, I don't like yeah, it, yeah. so yeah, uh, she can stick to that and I'll, <laughs> I'll stay away. It, it's to me. It's there's not a specific one necessarily that I wouldn't wouldn't like. I mean, that's things like that. The hospital doesn't bother me, but I think anything that you spend more the majority of your time at a desk, I think, mm, really yeah. is what I would say. Anytime we have to sit behind the computer and everything, like we every I think every profession has to do that a little bit nowadays, right? Oh, to some extent, but yeah, I just if you had to be there all day and doing that, I, I just I, that's something I wouldn't want to do. Absolutely. Uh, what hurdles did you personally face, and how have you overcome them? We're getting deep. Yeah, we are. Like We're personal, professional, or? personal, professional yeah, hurdles in the. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just, I mean, I'll go right to my beginning of my brewing career. You know, at Great Lakes, uh, it was there was eight of us in the brewery, and five and five of us out of the eight were brewers, and it. For some reason, they didn't they didn't think I was going to be good in the brew house or something because it took it took them like a year and a half before I finally even got my first crack at brewing a beer. Oh wow! You know, and I was like, I don't know what's going on around here because I was, I'm the obviously was the best brewer in the room, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so I'll go to that. Like I just kept pressing, and I and every time that one of the spots opened up, I you know I threw my name in there and and went in through the processes, and mm. I think they finally just was like, all right, just put them in the brew house and tell them to shut up. So. <laughs> But it was a big deal, you know, and I, as, I, as I found out, it's not necessarily like all parts are equal when it comes right. to brewing. But at the, what everybody that gets into it, I think, wants to be in that brew house and be able to call themselves a brewer. So just at least getting to that point and then was a big deal for me. Absolutely. Ben? Oh, I would have to say just uh, finding a career path in general that I actually liked and wanted to stick with. Okay. Um, just from the time I got out of, got out of school sticking with something that I, that I enjoy that was probably the biggest hurdle what did you major in um so i i went to a technical college and did automotive repair okay um and i still for film yeah i still love fixing cars and stuff like that but not as a career yeah uh, and then i just worked uh, a bunch of terrible retail jobs for a long time and <laughs> didn't really know what i wanted to do i did some painting work and uh-huh. so uh when my buddy showed me brewing, I was like, oh, this is it. There like, it is. I knew, I knew within a week after brewing my first beer, I was like, this is what I want to do. I think that happens with pretty much everybody in this yeah. industry. It happens really quick when you know. Yeah, a lot of times I was just going to say that it's, it's a common story where people knew pretty quickly once they started brewing that that's what they wanted to do. 
or knew pretty quickly that that's not what right. they wanted to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it really is one or the other. I, a lot of times, I think. I mean, I, I have known people that have kind of worked at a brewery or kind of, kind of got a little bit of the experience and kind of slowly kind of eased into it. But most of the time, it's like people want to be a brewer or they don't. Right. right. Uh, what was the most interesting trend in craft beer that you saw in 2018? I think it was the Brood IPA. Yeah. It was like Brute. the Brood came along and it was like, um, I think Ben alluded to it earlier. We both have kind of the same taste on that side about, about the New England style, although we've utilized a lot of the hopping methods from that style. Mm-hmm. We don't necessarily like the milkshake part of that right. or whatever you want to call the lactose it. Lactose and um, So when the Brute style started popping up, um, to me, it was, and I'm the same way as Ben, I like a nice dry beer. So, like, to me, that was a little bit more appealing. So I would, I would definitely go with that. Yeah, I would, I would have to agree just because yeah. it was such a, especially when we made ours. And plus, who thought there was going to be another different kind of IPA? Right. You know? right? Like, how could we think of another we one? We maxed it out. <laughs> but wait. <laughs> wait, there's yeah. one more idea. I read, a, I read a lot about them when they first started popping up, but there weren't any brewers around here really making them yet. Mm-hmm. So when we did it, uh, we brewed one with Madcap out in Kent. Oh, nice. Uh, I used to work with, with Vince at the Brew Kettle, so we got together and we wanted to do one. So when we made it and we actually got to drink it when it was done, I was like, this is what an IPA should be. You know, yeah. like super dry, but you yeah. get all those hop aromas and flavors without a ton of bitterness. you got to be careful about how many yeah. hops. You know, if you calculate your hops the normal way, w- without having that even that little bit that you usually have in the – residual sugar that you usually have in, in an IPA even that's really dry, that little bit makes such a difference in the balance of perceived bitterness. Really? Like, you got to be really careful. Yeah, like, because you can over-bitter it really easily, I would imagine. I mean, we, yeah. we targeted, I think, 20 IBUs. Okay. Yeah. And it probably tasted more like 60, wow. 70. It brings it in it, because it just, the sugar's balanced. Yeah. Right. So. That's nuts. Yeah. It's, it's, really, it's a really fun style. If you had to pick your least favorite thing trend in 2018 that you just didn't anything that has to do with dessert or cake or yeah, I would, whatever, I would like pastry steps pastry, pastry yeah stouts, thank you yeah. thank you yeah anything for me it's just i get it i do get yeah, it yeah, there's a market for it's it fun. for sure for people and they like to try different things absolutely and, but yeah for me no thanks yeah, yeah. i'm the same exact way on that one oh. absolutely nothing against it it's just right. that's not for it's me just not right. if we all like the same kind of thing we there'd only be one style exactly uh, what is one piece of practical advice you would give someone starting out in this industry? Don't. <laughs> Seems to be the, the common thing. Yeah. Uh, education. Just. Yeah, there's so much opportunity that's, now. That's you know, and for me, like, to, I, I say I say this a lot to people when they're asking about you know about the industry. It's for someone that's been around for a little while, um, it's amazing the quality standards now compared to when I started quality levels your expectations should be high going into any brew pub brewery buying anything off the shelf your Mm -hmm. expectations should be high because the opportunity and information is just there it really is and there's no excuse there's no excuse to uh no we're all going to make our styles in our own the way we interpret them and everything that and not everyone's going to like the way we do it or not everyone's going to like the way another brewery does it and that's okay as long as you're you're going to be like, you know, as long as you know you're putting out the, the top quality, you're following best practice and doing it. And there's no excuse not to follow best practice. Absolutely. There's no excuse not to get educated on it. The opportunity is there now. 
It's not like 25 years ago when it was like a bunch of us just like, let's try this next. <laughs> let's try this next. And why do you think this is happening? And, you know, the opportunity for education is there. So take advantage of it is what I would tell yeah, everybody. I would, yeah, I agree. And don't, uh, don't let all your friends convince you that you're making the best beer in the world yeah. at home because you're probably not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> get, get an unbiased opinion. Right. Uh, if you could send a message to yourself 10 years ago, what would you tell the younger you? That's good advice. Good advice. Yeah, 10 years? 10 years. Can I go back farther? If you want to. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I'll go by the rules. 10 years ago? Oh, I would probably say... uh, I don't know. 10 years ago. I was was feeling pretty good about everything 10 years ago. I'd probably say maybe go go branch out on your own a little bit sooner. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to do it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's got to be, you know, it's a risk jumping out on your own. I I can only imagine um, more power to you for doing it, man. Uh, Last question. What or who has been the biggest influence in your brewing career? Ooh, that's tricky because my boss is sitting right there. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Obviously, my my brewing career has not been that long. So uh, between Luke here and Jack Keppert from the Brew Kettle, uh, those, those two for sure. He just put my name in because I'm sitting next to him. So that's a shout out to Jack. Don't tell him. I could put Jack, I could put Jack on that list. Right. Actually, he's awesome. Um, Andy Tavikram, easy. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's a, there's Andy's tons. Such a nice dude. There's tons and tons and tons of them. But Andy Tavikram, oh, he he gave me a chance. He hired me. Uh, I homebrewed with him after I had only been homebrewing for a few months. Actually, just random chance met him through a, one of his neighbors. Oh wow! And he was so cool. He's like, come. He's like, tell him to come over. I, mean, I didn't even meet him, actually. I asked the guy, like, can I meet him? Can I meet him? You know? <laughs> and uh, he's like, he told us, he said to just come over Saturday. They're brewing in the basement. And I was like, okay. Oh. <laughs> you know? And, and uh, really, that's what, that's what changed, changed my life. So, and everything else he did after that, too. He was, I love the way he managed us. I love the way he gave us a chance to um, properly uh, use our new ideas rather than just, like, he didn't let us do whatever we wanted to. But as long as it was properly planned out and, and presented to him, um, he let us he let us experiment and do things, and it was awesome. He's an awesome guy. So very cool. Uh, going back to the Doppelbach real quick before we head out. Uh, this is a an exclusive to the tap room. Uh, you have to come down here to yeah. get it. So yeah. get down here, uh, twelve fifty Old River Road. Uh, what else did you want to get out about the Doppelbach before we head out? Try it before it's gone because it's a. Uh, it was a small batch. This is yeah. a very small batch. There's probably only going to be about seven or eight kegs of it available All right. yeah. until I decide to brew it again. But yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so yeah, get down here and try it out before it's gone. Very cool, uh, Luke and Ben. Thank you so much for your time. I really thank appreciate you, you uh, taking the time out. I know you're brewing today. Uh, for taking the time to do this and uh, tune in next week for another new episode of the Tap Room Exclusive.